Welcome to the Passionist Podcast. My name is Mike Garcia, and this is the 10th episode of the Passionist Podcast. I'm with my co-host. I'm Janice Kang. And today we also have another member of the Passioner team, Allison Thompson. She is our team coordinator. By the way, Allison, how did you come across Mr. Burgess? Well, um, like Mike, I'm a Winston-Salem native, and I like going downtown a lot and seeing all the new businesses that open up, especially now as Winston-Salem is kind of developing and growing more in terms of the different businesses open, opening up. It's really exciting to see the different people that come through. And um, I heard about Hotel Indigo actually from my mom, who is like the chief of police down there. So she kind of sees some more than I do of the city. Um, so that's how I was introduced. Nice. And today we have the honor of interviewing Mr. Burgess. Mr. Burgess is a longtime real estate multi-hyphenate. He is currently the managing director of Hotel Indigo in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Mr. Burgess, can you introduce yourself a bit more and talk about your business? Yes, my name is Simon Burgess. I originally come from Manchester in the north of England. Uh, I've been away for 21 years and I've been in the States for 11 years, seven years in Charlotte and three and a half years in Salem. Uh, all I've ever done all my life is construction and development. Um, a lot of historical buildings, including the Indigo Hotel in downtown Winston-Salem. And we are currently developing projects in Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, Florida. And I'll start off with the first official question. You have had an extensive career in pretty much every aspect of real estate. How did you start this journey? <laughs> I thought that might be the first question. Well, let's start from the beginning and keep it as, uh, as quick as I possibly can. Um, I was not as fortunate as, as you guys to have a university education. I actually left school for Masons on a construction site. And then I worked my way up and became what's called a quantity surveyor. Where I was responsible for counting things, bricks and blocks, etc. And when I was 20, um, I was interested in stocks and shares and I saw that a company was listing on the London Stock Exchange called Charles Church. I sent him a handwritten letter, no phones in those days, and he, he phoned my home and said, uh, his secretary phoned and said, Mr. and Mrs. Church are flying up to Manchester, a private airfield, where they're actually renovating a Canadian Lancaster bomber, a Second World War bomber, and they would like to meet me. And I would take them around and show them some development sites that we were interested in developing at 20 years of age. And I run them around and the um, inviters out for lunch, my wife, who's my wife now, we were engaged at 16. Uh, we went out for lunch with my mother and father. He took me back to the airfield and he says, you're coming to work in London next month with me. And I said, but you haven't offered me a job. He said, well, name your price and you'll be down there next month. So I was earning £4,000 a year those days and I picked a figure of £17,000. He said, no problem. I said, well, what about a car? He said, we'll buy you a car. When? And I said, where am I going to live? He said, we'll buy you a house. A month later, I'm living in London. He's bought me a house and my job is to go and find development sites for him. And I worked with Charles Church until the following year in June, he was flying a Spitfire in an aviation show and it blew up in midair. He was the 45th wealthiest developer 
in the UK at the time and he died. And then unfortunately I left, they gave me the house, they gave me six months wages and I never worked for anybody again after that. Started my own business in England, moved to Portugal and then ended up in the United States and that's how it started. Nice. And could you tell us a little bit more about that company you founded? Oceanico and what you gained from your experience building it? Yeah, we after a, the UK was a very difficult to develop. There was lots of recessions at the time. You'd make a lot of money one year, you'd lose it all the next year. So we decided to go over to Portugal where we had the opportunity to buy a site for 66 apartments. And I was introduced to an Irish gentleman who's still a very close friend of mine who still lives in Portugal and we became partners. And we built a company up called Oceanico which uh, we ended up employing 650 people. We developed 10 golf courses and we developed restaurants, spas, condo, condominiums, hotels around the, the projects. And that's what brought us to America. We were gonna try to replicate what we were doing in Portugal, in Pinehurst, North Carolina, but unfortunately it crashed in 2007, 2008. So it never quite came off like that. So I stayed doing some smaller developments, residential developments, and then moved on from Oceanico to set up Mayfair Street Partners with two other partners, uh, Jason Joseph in Atlanta and AJ Belt out of Charlotte. So we set that up uh, five years ago. So that's how Oceanico started and we built it up to 650 employees. Could you tell us a little bit more about the hotel you have located in Winston-Salem, Hotel Indigo? Yeah, my background in the UK, the last historical building that I did in the UK was an 11th century Cistercian monastery which we converted into apartments and a golf clubhouse uh, called Vale Royal Abbey, a very famous abbey that we renovated. So from that I renovated a lot of historical buildings in England so became quite passionate about historical buildings. When I moved to America I found that they had uh, historical tax credits available federal and state that you could monetize and use as equity in within the historical building development. So we set about looking for historical buildings and the Indigo Hotel, the former Pepper building, was the first historical building that we found and acquired and used historical tax credits with. We've, since then we've done one in Columbia and we're doing a third one now in Winston-Salem called Raw, which is 633 North Liberty. So we like historical buildings, we like the federal incentives and state incentives of the historical tax credits make it it's very bureaucratic but make, makes it easier for us to finance. And why did you choose Winston-Salem? Like, What about Winston-Salem specifically attracted you to the location? Well, you know, originally it was only the fact that we had agents out looking for historical buildings. We didn't really target any area and it just happened, look have it, that the, the first building we came across was, was the Pepper Building. I used to travel from Charlotte two or three times a week, start slowly fell in love with it after about six months of traveling. And I said to my wife, look, you should come out and have a look around. And, it was strange because we walked down 4th Street, which Alison and know really well, and people would stop in the street and say, good morning, or hello, or how are you? And coming out of a larger city like Charlotte, nobody ever spoke to you. So we, we just felt the friendliness. And when we started dealing with the city, the city was so welcoming. They wanted to do a pro-business. They wanted business coming through that we just felt comfortable. And we've, you know, we've traveled and lived all around the world. And we just felt that at the ages we're at mid-50s that this could be the final resting place for us so it was really the people and the city that attracted us once we got to know it me and allison are from winston-salem 
So I, I just find it really interesting that you chose Winston-Salem. It's like my hometown, and it's just really cool. So It could be called Destiny. And my last question before I change it up to my co-host, Jen, is how has your experience differed from your work in the U.S. versus overseas? Interesting question. Um, Portugal, um, at the level that we were at in Portugal, it was fairly easy um, because the the very socialistic laws in Portugal from the days when it was uh, sort of socialist run in the 70s, it changed. But a lot of the employment laws are still there. So anybody uh, not like some of the other European countries that tend to feel a bit jealous, the Portuguese were very welcoming. The problem is when there's a downturn in the economy, the opportunities in, in countries like Portugal reduce quicker than larger countries like America. So when the recession came in 2007, 2008, because of my extensive experience in golf course design and development and construction, um, the only opportunities I had at that time was to go to Vietnam, China and India on golf course construction. My children were already in school in America, so we felt more comfortable coming to the States. So we turned the opportunities down and that's why we ended up coming to America. Um, I find that the business side of it is so different from city and county to county where some are very helpful. Like for instance, I've got to be careful I'll say this, but it's true. Winston is much more helpful business and from developers' point of view, than say Asheville. Asheville is very anti-development and Winston-Salem is very pro-development. So it does vary from city to city, from county to county and state to state. Yeah, um, backing up a little bit, I would like to kind of clarify. So I think how you be introduced into this industry is very, very interesting. So you said at age 16, you became interested in real estate and while you just turned 20, you became interested in stock and you sent a handwritten note. And then did you have any experience back then? Is there a specific reason why he reached out to you, do you think? I, I think the fact that I actually reached out to him um, intrigued him, you know, that I took time to write and say, I note that you're, you're listing on the London Stock Exchange. It says that you want to expand geographically. I've uh, located three or four residential home sites that I think give you a expanding into the north of England are in very affluent regions of Manchester area. And I think he just found it intriguing that a 20 year old would write to him out of the blue. And um, once we met, um, he really became a mentor of mine for the short period that I worked with him. So going back, if you think that you didn't meet him, do you think you would have followed more conventional track of going to college? No, definitely not. I mean, I probably one of the worst students you ever had. I absolutely hated school and there was no way I was going that day longer than I had to. So no, I wouldn't have ended up back in school. I hate to say it, the school system is very different in the north of England to what I've seen in, in North Carolina and other states. Gotcha. And the reason I guess the reason why I asked is because you said that we were very fortunate to go to school. So I thought maybe he was very excited to go to school and he didn't couldn't afford it or something. That's one thing. I, I mean, at the time, um, let's call it further education, secondary education, which is like 16 to 18 years of age and then going on to college 18 to 21. Uh, a lot of the public colleges were free, 
but the expenses to stay as a resident there and actually pay for books and pay for food, very few families in the north of England could afford to cover the cost for the children on that. So, you know, there, there wouldn't have been the opportunity. I mean, when I was sort of 18, 19 years of age, I actually didn't know anybody that had been to college or university, as you call it. So, you know, it, it, it was very, um, you were very lucky and very privileged in the north of England if you went to secondary education. So going off from more of a professional side, so you not only do you, are you a developer, you're also very interested in every other aspects of real estate. Are you a, a realtor, a developer, like everything? Do you Are you in charge of all of those um, process? Well, I have partners that work with us. I mean, like you say, I, I never went to school. So my other partner's got a degree from University of South Carolina in finance. So he's a... Uh, a whiz on the spreadsheets and my other partner the same but I'm sort of excel self-taught I've never been taught it at school it's just what I've picked up myself but I can do formulas I can do spreadsheets but they're the real whizzes on putting together an underwriting model or pro forma as we would call it they're very complicated but I base and they do the formulas and, uh, and all that type of work so I'm really developing I find the sites I put together the construction budgets. I control the contractors or subcontractors when we GC it ourselves. Uh, I'm very artistic architecturally. I draw a lot of the buildings up uh, freehand before we hand them to the architects. So most of the sketches of all the projects, townhomes or raw, the development of 633, the basic designs, I do all of that before I hand them over to an architect and I get very hands-on involved with the design, construction value engineering of it to make sure we can try and get it within budget. Uh, so that's my aspect mainly. That's incredible. I feel like you're the epitome of someone who self-taught these information and learned all of these things in the industry. So for you, what would you say the most important aspect of your work? Like what values are most important for someone who wants to work in this business? Uh, build. We build with a view of selling it at some stage, whether it's short term, medium term, short term, two to three years, medium term, five years. So a lot of it is still down to location, 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 whether it's a hotel, whether it's a town, whether it's an entertainment center. And what I always look at, would I live there? Would I stay there as a hotel? Would I go there for entertainment? And if the answer is no to any of those, we generally shouldn't be buying it. So the first question is, what would I do? If I was renting a town home in Tallahassee or Atlanta, would I rent where I'm building? And if the answer is yes, we should be doing it. If it's no, we shouldn't be doing it. If it's a hotel, would I stay in the hotel in that location? Uh, should it be a boutique hotel or should it be an extended stay? And if I say yes to either of those questions, well, then we would look at developing it. If the answer was no, that's your gut feeling and really you shouldn't take it on if that's the case. Gotcha. That's a very practical advice and I like it. Um, my other question was, how many properties do you think you have became involved in all of your career and if you could possibly pick what is the most uh what is one property or couple of properties that you're most proud of and the reason why the three properties that i'm probably most proud of the first one would be the one in the uk vale royal abbey uh, which was a, the luxury uh, 18 old golf course luxury apartments and a golf clubhouse and it had a an event room there with a vaulted ceiling with all the coats of arms of the different lords that had lived there and that dated back to the 11th century that was probably the most prestigious in the UK and then in Portugal we developed a golf two golf courses called Amanduera 
which is Portuguese for almond trees. Um, we had a, a Moroccan style architecturally designed golf clubhouse, luxury residences on the golf course. And that won the best new golf course in 2006. That was probably the most prestigious in Portugal. And to be honest, I think the Hotel Indigo up to now is the most prestigious uh, redevelopment renovation project we've carried out. So I'd, I'd list those three as the top three. Gotcha. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, so would you say that, uh, what would you say the most rewarding part of your career um, working in this field so far? Uh, the most rewarding. I actually enjoyed constructing the golf courses probably most. And unfortunately, nobody sees the work that goes into a golf course. They just see the grass and the sand and the greens. But there's a lot of work that goes in golf courses and design. So I actually enjoyed the golf course construction aspect of it. And are the reason why you are very interested in constructing golf courses, is that because you're also a golfer? You know, the first golf course I constructed, I wasn't a golfer. I never started golfing until I was 35 and I'd already built two golf courses by then. Uh, it was really because when I was 16, I went into civil engineering and I was actually building roads and sewers and things like that. So it was the civil engineering aspect of golf courses that I actually enjoyed most. Great. And where do you see your company going forward from now? Do you have any more plans to expand? do we're just about to open an office in Tallahassee so we'll have offices in uh, Alpharetta Atlanta Charlotte Winston-Salem and Tallahassee um, a big push at the moment is town home for rent and single-family homes for rent we've got probably a, a thousand units on about six or seven sites that are starting construction in the next couple of months so we see with unfortunately with COVID which is damaging hospitality particularly hotels We've changed strategy on some of our hotels and changed them into multifamily apartments for rent. And it was due to this, we started asking questions about where people would prefer to live. And we came up with a, a strategy that, uh, for instance, in Winston-Salem, if you were on the west side of Winston on Meadowlark and you were renting a two-bedroom apartment for $1,275, if we could offer a two-bedroom townhome with its own private yard landscape for $1,275, where would you prefer to live? And the answer every time came back in a townhome. So we've actually redesigned a lot of projects now and we've got over a thousand townhomes and single family homes going under construction. Gotcha. And my our last prepared question is, I do have another more personal questions after this, is what do you love most about what you do? Is it the construction, going to places, meeting new people? I love the design process and walking into a building where my two partners say, this is gonna fall down, and then I turn it into something like the Indigo. So I, I like the design process, and then the end product turning it into what it is. Sometimes the middle bit between the two can be a bit frustrating with subcontractors and GCs, but the, the start is always nice, and the end is always nice. It's the, the part in between that's sometimes frustrating. Gotcha. Great. It was just so interesting to hear your story. I feel like you have you have came, you know, a very long way um, starting when you're 16 to 20. It's very unconventional as well. And it's pretty inspiring. Um, Mike, would you like to close it out for us? Yeah, I just want to say that I find it really like it's a really cool story how you came from basically nothing 
and you got to the point where you are now it's all like working self-work basically and just the motivation it takes to do something like that is incredible and i actually have one last question before we officially close off is like what advice would you offer any like up-and-coming entrepreneurs who like want to start a company or something since you've been through the process what would you recommend what advice would you recommend for them uh, I certainly wouldn't recommend the way I started. I mean, America is very much education-based entrepreneurs. So, you know, the first thing is to concentrate and get your education sorted. A lot of these cities, and Winston-Salem's great, these flywheels and these um, startup systems, that's a very important aspect of growing businesses in America. So really, you know, find someone that can be a mentor to you. Thank you again for joining us today. If you enjoy listening to us, consider rating and commenting on Apple Podcasts. To learn more about Simon Burgess and other passioners we have interviewed in this podcast and to see behind the scenes of how we create each of our episodes, follow our Instagram page at Passioners Podcast. Thank you, Mr. Burgess, for inspiring us to follow our passions. This episode is edited and produced by Mike Garcia. This episode's art is by Lana Hatyamanovic. Social media photos and descriptions by Claire Helms. The interview was conducted by Janice King and I. Allison Thompson is our team coordinator and brought today's guest. And we use original music by Chiazo Ajila. In the next episode, Jen will interview Rob Taylor, senior camera journalist for BBC News. Passioners podcast tells the stories of passioners and their journeys. My name is Mike Garcia. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>